It was a good week for the Mets. Could have been a great week. Ended uh, really awkwardly, which we'll talk about because Mets Wrap 360 starts now. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. No matter what kind of week the Mets have, this will always kind of bring me back. I'll be centered. This is this is my happy place, this song. Meet the Mets. Welcome to Mets Rap 360. I'm Christian Blatt, at ChristianDMZ on Twitter and Instagram. Joined, as always, by Melissa Weinstein, at Melissa Wein. Hi. And uh, we have we have this great song in the background. We have Melissa's here. I'm here. We're going to have a special guest who will join us uh, shortly. But right at the top of the show, Melissa, let's talk a little bit about not how the Mets played this weekend, but let's talk about your brush with fame. Oh, no, it's you, not a brush with fame. Full it was on actual fame. 100% I'm super fame. famous now. Great. Yeah. And I'm lucky to know you. The viewers are lucky to know I can, you. So I can sign autographs let's, later. Let's set it up and we'll play a clip that illustrates how famous you are. But let's set up the clip, as they say in the business. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't know the You name. were tweeting. Yeah, but I don't know the names of the bands they were talking about. Oh, Mungo Jerry, uh, who has a song Summertime. That part's not all right because that part's not important. Oh, good. Because so I don't know what What you are. tweeted at Josh, basically. Yes. So uh, Josh Lewin, who does the radio calls with Howie Rose, was what I assumed beatboxing on air. So I made a tweet to him about how I enjoyed his beatboxing. But then. This happened. This happened. So we have we have a clip, and this is from what day's game was this? Uh, I don't even remember now. I think oh, it was Wednesday. Wednesday's game. Wednesday's game in the uh, seventh inning. And that's, uh, well, we'll hear from WR Radio, uh, courtesy of WR. We'll hear, actually, what it was like when Josh sort of responded to your tweet. And I don't think he was beatboxing, because I, 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 I know the song in the summertime, which I was thinking I, I, w- I would have uh, pulled it. But it's like, it's got this, like... It's not beatboxing. But anyway, so let's hear his response to beatboxing, if you don't mind, Neil. By the way, as we, I was asking you about uh, Mungo Jerry, and I was trying to do my jug and skiffle, yes. some, somebody tweeted me, said, good job with your beatboxing. <laughs> not what that was supposed to be, sir. No. The one one is swung on fell back, it's well, one and two. I'm Clearly honored he couldn't that he called me sir. Yeah, I mean, it's a I mean, sign of respect, obviously. obviously. He called you sir. And so then you tweeted an apology to Josh for yes. characterizing as beatboxing, and he said what? Um, that Basically. he hasn't he hasn't beatboxed since Fresh Prince went off the air, and I said so he should bring it back, and he said that that was the opposite of what he intended by that tweet, and so now I'm just sad because he should beatbox. Well, hopefully he does more beatboxing, and the, there's, the summertime is basically upon us, so we'll get a lot more Mungo Jerry. And uh, now it's time to uh, bring in our special guest, uh, Elliot Teichman of 213 Miles from Shea at 213MFS. Uh, Elliot, welcome to Mets Rap 360. Can you hear us? Hi. Hey, Hi. there he is. Uh, I, I was confused by I, your hat. I was like, I thought that was a Blue Jays hat for a so second, but then I. I realized it's not, is it? No, it's um, the Fireflies take their home hat, and then they make it in Mets colors, and I recently found out it also glows in the dark. Oh, sweet. Well, let's, let's leave the lights on, but uh, you, know, you, can, you should tweet out a picture of it glowing in the dark. So, 
Uh, Elliot, in addition to running 213 miles from Shea, 213 miles from Shea.com, and as I said, at 213MFS, you have known Melissa for a very long time. You somehow are both Mets fans from the Baltimore area, correct? That is correct, uh, class of 2007. And so that makes you the 213 miles from Shea. That's, that's where that comes from, right? You got it. Um, I grew up uh, 213 miles, according to um, whatever was the Google Maps back in high school. It definitely wasn't Google MapQuest. Maps. Yeah, it was probably probably MapQuest at, yep, at that, that point. Was... Something that uh, you know, Yahoo Maps. We could speculate <laughs> speculate all show. Uh, yeah, and and you know, sort of, you know, you're not that far from from Shay. You know, growing up, but you're detached. I mean, as you and I were talking when I sent you a message, Elliot, I. Ended up moving to Los Angeles 14 years ago now, and I'm 2,800 plus miles from City Field, so I can definitely relate to that. Uh, you know, I grew up in the rural suburbs from New York City in Orange County, New York, like 45 miles northwest of the city. I might as well have been 213 miles from Shea Stadium because I was so far away. But uh, I think it's interesting that you kind of have this site and you you talk about it there uh but talk about sort of some of the way that you cover the Mets day to day and some of the work there that you do yeah so um mainly at this point since I started high school teaching I really rolled back what I do on the site um I mainly just do game previews now um in 2008 the owner of Metsmerize online uh contacted me to start writing game, pre- game previews for his website um so I've been doing that since this is actually my 10th season with them. Um, and I write them with uh, Michael Mayer, who, if you don't follow him at Twitter, um, is just an excellent minor league worker. Um, and the two of us knock out the game previews every day. Right. So how does that work when you, I assume you got up today to find out that uh, Matt Harvey was not starting, which we were, we're definitely going to talk about that. And Wait. people are wondering that we haven't talked about it yet. But, but Elliot's uh, tweet about that was the best. He was like, sorry, not sorry, not changing it. So you just, you just stuck with it. And yeah, today, today I just stuck with it because I found out at noon. Um, this has been – I was just talking with uh, Joe who owns uh, Mets Marais Online. This has been the hardest season out of the ten. I normally write them at 4.30 to 5 o'clock in the morning. Oh. And this year, it's, there's been a late change within a couple hours before game time with a new pitcher. And it's been really hard to get everything ready. Had, so you, heard, had you heard of Adam Wilk before today? Because I, I don't follow the Mets close enough to do game previews, but I'd sure never heard of him. I did. Um, so one thing I do outside of game previews is every spring I look at Every single player of the Mets invite who is not on the roster to the Major League Spring Training Camp and do a small write-up. And Adam Wilk was one of them. He didn't really get a glowing write-up in um, in March. Well, watching the way he pitched today, uh, he didn't deserve a glowing write-up, did he? And, you know, look, that's a kid. I'm get... finding ahead. a lot of hard... – oh, I'm finding it I... – I know his stuff isn't that great, but he also – got to City Field at like 8 o'clock this morning. He was like flying all night. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that, 
you know, it's very difficult to judge. And, you know, I'm I'm the one who saw Stephen Matt's pitch in Vegas. And I'm like, he's not ready this year. Uh, Maybe next year, maybe the year after. And, you know, he ended up pitching in the World Series that year. So what did I know? But uh, it can be very hard to quantify that. And, yeah, look, he didn't look good today. But who knows? We we might need to see him get another turn because... uh, It's better than Montero. I was just going to say, we definitely don't need more Rafael Montero. Uh, I didn't think we needed him the other day. I, I felt like that ship had sailed, but boy, they they just keep buying a ticket on that ship again. I, I don't I don't know what it is. As somebody who does this much uh, game prep, what is your take on Montero and why he's so inconsistent? And honestly, at this point, he's not even inconsistent. He's consistently bad, and why they stick with him? I honestly had no <laughs> idea at this point. <laughs> I mean, look, I, that just puts I, us in agreement. Sure. That just makes Melissa and I look really smart. That you know, no, no one knows at this point why he's there. Well, all right. Well, let's talk about. It's just something. Yeah, there's a phrase: the elephant in the room. Let's talk about the dildo in the room. So, what exactly is this story that's sort of coming out in bits and pieces, and it's hard to make up. You know, make heads or tails of it, really. Uh, who who wants to volunteer to speak about it? Elliot, are you up to speed on this that you can talk about it? Or uh, I, I hate to make the lady talk about it, but if you don't know, I feel like she does. So, so all I know is that I don't know when the Mets are going to learn to not take pictures in the locker room because I feel like this happens at least, He's right. at least once a yeah. picture or something in the locker room and then something like this happens. Yeah, and uh, so obviously that, you know, well, I don't know. Melissa, I think we're going to need you to flush it out because I'm still still a little bit, unfortunately, in the dark as to how all this happened. And, and I mean, I, I understand facts as they've been presented, okay. but did they talk about this during the game? Because I, I admitted well, that I actually didn't watch the game. I, I, I listened when I could, and I watched kind of game day, but I, I wasn't able to really take in the game today. Um, Obviously... They didn't speak about it in detail because it's not really appropriate to speak about. I mean, kids watch these games, yeah. Phallic things during a baseball game. Sure. But that said, we'll try to get into it as much as we can here without getting too graphic. So there was a picture, I think it was yesterday. Elliot, maybe it was Friday. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it was TJ Rivera wearing the crown after the game. And in the background, you could see this toy in Ploiecki's locker. Right. So in Ploiecki's locker is a a male phallus, which we're going to call a dildo because we're grown-ups and that's what people know them as. Melissa, you do not have to use that word because you're a lady. (laughs) So, uh, and so that was seen in the background in Ploiecki's locker. Yes. Yes. And then after that, and possibly unrelated, possibly related, Harvey was scratched from his start today after a three-game suspension was handed down to him. And the speculation on Mets Twitter, because they haven't released an official reason, is that he was the one that placed this, you can say it, in the Dildo, locker. yeah. Which, by the way, maybe Ploiecki has it in there because that's his and that's something that he does in his free time. You know, again, don't take pictures in the locker room. You don't have to have these conversations. Um, it's hard to imagine this not those two things not being related it's entirely possible that the mets would suspend him for something else and they don't tell you and you i know. think it's honestly i hope that those two things are unrelated but i think the the timing the mets twitter world yeah. is if that's if those two things are related it's one 
less problem to focus on. It's one less injury. And I think that it's a nice comedic break from all of the Mostly turmoil bad news. that the yeah. Mets have gone through over the past yeah. and couple I, weeks. I don't know. Look, it, it's stupid, and it's just something to do with the environment we live in now. I think 10 years ago this wasn't a story. Definitely not 20 or 30 years ago. You know, I mean, you know, it's a good thing that people didn't have phones, much less camera phones, when Gary, well, not Gary, but when Keith, Keith and, Ron and Ron were, were playing. actually Ooh. playing. Yeah. You know, I'm glad that I don't know what was inside of Lenny Dykstra's locker, and I never will know. So, <laughs> you know, I, I get that all. Uh, but at the same time, they felt like they needed to punish him. But let, let's just say, this is somebody that we know stays out way too late, and you know when he gets the notice in the morning that oh you're pitching today, he's in no shape to pitch. So it could be related to you know extracurricular activities having nothing to do with this. If it was any other player, it'd be like no, it's obviously that him. Yeah, he could be any number of things. The fact of the matter is, he got suspended three days, so he will get his next turn in the rotation in theory unless there is something that they're not telling us and it is more serious the whole thing is so silly uh any repercussions to Plawecki for having this in his locker of course not yeah so that's why i think it might not be you know anything to and do i with think that. and people are you know bringing this up on twitter and elliot i'm sure you've seen some some of this um that people are saying it's not is it's not harvey's first infraction because he missed that um that practice in the playoffs back in 2015 and then you know people are saying this was one of my favorite tweets i don't remember who tweeted it but something about how bartolo Colon had two Ill- illegitimate children with his you know other girlfriend and we're which begging we covered him, a lot on this show and we're begging him to come back and then a guy puts a sex toy in another guy's locker allegedly and we want him to leave forever and it was, you know, a whole well, conversation about uh, that. According sort of more recent information uh, to both Ken Rosenthal and John Heyman that uh, Harvey played golf on Saturday, got a headache, possibly a migraine, and he thinks there was a miscommunication with the Mets as to whether or not he was going to show up. I don't know if this was last night. That part I don't know from just looking at the headlines. I call so, bull. Uh, it could very well. It could definitely be the case. But uh, my favorite tweet on this was uh, from our friend Mark Craig at Newsday. <laughs> I went to journalism school so I could tweet this. I'm told Matt Harvey's suspension is not related to the sex toy fiasco from the other day. Hashtag Mets. Only the Mets could have that be a headline. And uh, look, it's, it's silly to talk about, uh, but there's so much speculation on it. And I figure if you're a Mets fan and you were going to tune into the show today, you'd expect us to talk about it. That's what we seem to know. The fact of the matter is that, you know, they lost 7 to nothing. They got one hit in the game. That's all that really matters. That could have happened if Matt Harvey started. Of course. But you know what? You had a better chance of it not happening if uh, whatever he was up to. And again, if he got a migraine from playing golf, and we have already talked about... Those you know, two things are not ses- related. Cespedes and golf. Yeah, no more golf. I'll, I'll just go ahead and say, if it's starting to be a problem, just, you know, come... You know, if you want to do that, just, uh, you know, get in the batting cage. I know you're a pitcher. Just work on your <laughs> swings. Something. But anyway, um, which is disappointing that this is sort of where we find ourselves on Sunday as we're doing the show. Because, on the whole, this was a good week. Would you agree, Elliot, that this was actually a good week of Mets baseball? We're just talking about on the field. Nope. This week was this week was great, um, and it just sucks that it's the second weekend in a row where the Mets have two wins, and then just horrible on the field and off the field things happen together on Sunday, and you just forget the entire weekend. 
Yeah, I, because here we are now, and they have won three consecutive series against. Well, of course they're against NL East rivals because that's all they've played. I am played so ready for that until to be tomorrow. over. Yeah, and then we'll talk about that later in the show. So they've won these series, and look, it's great that they won the series. Uh, obviously, they were in a situation where they could have, you know, swept the Marlins, who always play them tough. But that's that's not what happened. So uh, let's uh, talk a little. We'll sort of go a little bit quicker than we usually do, but I do want to talk about some of these games because on. Monday, they beat the Braves 7-5. to That was a win for Gesellman. And they beat Julio Tehran, who, you know, I'm starting to forget his name again. We were talking Why? about, well, because he wasn't good. He was not effective. So I'm start, starting to forget that he was that this great pitcher for the Braves. And, uh, Elliot, that's kind of a reference that our first show of the season, I just completely blanked and couldn't remember Julio Tehran's name. And then he pitched so well against the Mets, it was like, oh, yeah, I guess I remember that him now. Guy. But now he, he looked bad. And, look, it was a game that the Mets easily could have let get away. But they did not. So that's the key. And Familia got a save. So that was a that was a good game. Uh, Tuesday was not a good game. I, I don't understand uh, how R.A. Dickey hasn't pitched well in three years, but now twice against the Mets, he's actually looked at least reasonably well. The only solace there is that they get four runs in the top of the ninth to get a little closer there uh, in, in that game. Uh, Melissa, your notes from Monday and Tuesday. Does anything jump out at you, or have I... Um, well, off the field, probably the one of the greatest things that has ever happened to the Gary, Keith, and Ron dynamic was the conversation they had about not showing pain or any emotion when you get hit by a pitch. In the uh, this groin on region? Game. No, oh, that wasn't all. that conversation. Okay, just, it, just not showing that you got pain from getting hit. Sure. Yes, and, and, and Gary was saying that men are more of an evolved species now and they can show their emotion and Ron says no he doesn't come from that kind of family um, so that was that was the uh, highlight for me on Monday. I love that your notes are about uh, the banter because I don't I don't get to watch the whole games uh, anymore and you know it's it's a lot harder having to pick up my son I, I listen to the radio I go back to the TV it's back and forth you know so I, I don't get to just sit and watch the game so I do miss a lot of it so I always appreciate you sharing it uh, let's talk about Wednesday because Wednesday was a great day that was the 16 to 5 win. Jacob deGrom got that win. And Bartolo Colon, ouch, five runs in four innings. Hey, Melissa, and I'll ask you in a second what you think, Elliot. Is the magic gone with Big Sexy? Did, it, did the Mets just squeeze every drop they could have out of him? Or do you hope it's still there so that they bring him back at some point this season? I don't know if I can answer you honestly because because of today's date being the one-year marker of the most fantastic moment that has ever happened in any game ever. All right, you're, you're a little bit overselling it, but you and I were Am both I there. Uh, you were there with your boyfriend, Jay. I was there with my wife, Heather, and my son, Felix. It's, it's still his the first o- game. The first, still the only baseball game he's been to, but Bartolo Colon hit the home run in that game. Uh, so, yes, we're very fond of that, but he's not pitching well this year. I, I agree with you. you know, so maybe he should just be a pinch hitter. He could be a DH. I mean, I think that would be a terrible move on any team's part if that was the decision yeah. they made. Um, but I, I do think he's he's going downhill a bit. But again, we saw the same thing happen with Dickey when he left the Mets. And I don't know if it's situational or based on the environment that you're in with a team or in the geographic location that you might be in. Uh, but I agree with you. Bartolo's not 
doing as well as he ex- was expected right. to do. Right, and also that new ballpark in Atlanta, clearly well, it's the, not ball doing just, anyone any the ball just flies there. And, you know, Julio Tehran probably wouldn't have given up so many runs if they still had their perfectly fine ballpark in Turner it's Field. like a baby. Yeah. Couldn't anyway. even drink yet. Yeah, exactly. If that's true, it was only 20 years old. So, anyway, uh, to bring in Elliot from... Uh, 213 miles from Shea at 213MFS. Your thoughts as you look at Cologne this season. uh, Do you think that there's something that he's going to be able to contribute to the Braves? And of course, that means beat the Mets. Or do you think that maybe the the clock has run out on, on old Bart? I mean, I've, I'm also a gigantic Cologne fan. My last Jersey purchase last year was a Cologne Jersey. Wow. Uh, might have been a little premature, little. but um, I just while you guys were talking, I was just pulling up his uh, pitching record from this year, and I mean he has two good starts, but the problem is he's also pitched six games, and the other four games have just been unbelievably bad. And I think he's given up four, five, and six earned runs in his last three starts. Yeah, I mean he would have starts like that while he was with the Mets. I mean I, I had amazing seats to a game he started at Angel Stadium for the Mets and uh oh my god he gave up like seven runs in I don't know two innings or something. And it, it, yeah, it it happens and maybe that ballpark is is part of it. So it's a good point. He has that? the two good starts. So we might very well get to see more of him. But fortunately, it doesn't seem like the Mets are going to play him for at least a little while. They're going to play the Braves for a little while. So we can catch our breath on, on that one. I'm sorry. Were you going to say something, Elliot? Was that the Angels game where David Wright called the umpire the worst of all time? No, I was at that game and it was the greatest thing ever. Oh, it was so good because I didn't know what had happened. Right. But we knew he got ejected, but I was sitting there with my friend, Caitlin, and we were very confused, so I went on Twitter and, you know, saw saw all of that. And I just remember thinking, I go to the, like, one game that David Wright gets ejected at. Yeah. Best thing ever. Yeah, that's true. That's like seeing a Bartolo Colon home run. Yes. Yeah. I got very, to do both. <laughs> you did get to do both. Uh, so uh, Thursday's game was washed out, which is unfortunate. 3-1 Met lead. Uh, Jay Bruce had a home run. They were uh, They were doing pretty well there. You know, you felt like, all right. They might have might have been able to squeak out a win there in five innings, but then that's not what happened. And I haven't watched a game in a while where I was there at the start, and there I was watching the game, and of course, the one I'm watching ends up going to rain delay and then not happening. So I've had to use that magic men in black like stick that they have to make you forget things. So I don't even remember what happened in the game. Well, the highlight of the game for me, which is this is such a terrible thing that the game didn't exist because if you go on to the app or whatever and you click on any game, you get to see all the the videos from the game. But they don't have them for that game anymore? Right. Oh, no, that's terrible. Even the stuff that happened, well, you know, like statistics-wise doesn't count, but the videos don't exist either. And the big shame about that is Gelb's zipline. Oh, Gelb ziplined in that episode. I, I saw something about that online. All over Twitter, by the way, and it's probably the greatest thing ever. All but right. was even better about that was Keith making fun of him. Oh, that sounds like it would be better. <laughs> so highlight for the game that didn't happen was um, Gelb's. Well, let's talk about the series with the Marlins that we had uh, Friday. 8-7 to seven win. That is the kind of win that we have not seen much of from this Mets team. Certainly not this year. A big come-from-behind win. 8-7 to seven win over the Marlins. Uh, Melissa, your thoughts about 
seeing the team actually do that. We've had them get close. In fact, it was on Tuesday they came close in the top of the ninth and you know almost pulled it out. But then they actually did it. They It was a relief, to be honest. It was a re- relief that they could come back and win it. And it was less of a relief that Montero didn't get the loss because I don't really care. I think he deserved... You know, I, it shows up on his line for for the day, but obviously him getting a loss is obviously much more of a detriment when you look at the the, the stats for the day. Um, my favorite part was Maggie Wiggins. I don't know if you guys follow her on Twitter, but she tweeted right after the top of the first, Montero was on pace for a 207-pitch, nine-walk, no-hitter. <laughs> it was very um, accurate, but instead he was on pace for a 90-pitch, three-and-two-thirds innings. Yeah, which, I mean, look, there's a lot of things to say about Montero, but that seems to be a problem kind of consistently, these really high pitch counts from some of these Mets pitchers. And uh, I don't quite know what the answer is. Zach Wheeler is sort of next in line in terms of the the worst at it. But uh, hopefully, you know, you got to get these guys in the game just a little bit longer because the bullpen is already tired and, you know, it's it's not even May 10th. So uh, Saturday's game was a good old fashioned drubbing. Another win for Gesellman, who had a good week. Look at that. Look at Gesellman having a good week. Uh, 11 to three. That's what you want. Just keep beating. Just keep piling on. Uh, So. As we kind of look back at the week as a whole and uh, we go to Elliot, your thoughts sort of not so much just this week, but at this point in the season, what do you feel is the best way to characterize this Mets team that, you know, what you've seen from them? I'm very concerned about the bullpen usage for this team. This team has fight, but there just seems like, I don't know if they've said they haven't gotten secure yet it just seems like they're on again off again like they're having a good week they're having a bad week um there's a lot of things i'm concerned with at this point but i also really love watching them yeah so i don't it, it always comes down to how much i enjoy actually watching them you know and that has a lot to do with the broadcast team i i always enjoy sort of watching and or listening to the game and the problem is that these bad weeks that the mets have had have been really bad and painful and you know, coming in to do the show is mostly fun today, although there's a dumb story that we had to talk about at the top of the show. But it's mostly fun to talk about when they play well. So, I, you know, I enjoy that. But, yeah, it can be a little bit tough. Uh, Melissa, your thoughts on what we've seen from the Mets so far this season and this week? The reserve players have come through in a huge way. I mean, At the beginning of the season, there's no way anyone would have expected TJ Rivera to be playing every day, let alone playing at first base, and to be doing well. So, I, you know, for our position players, I'm pleasantly surprised with, you know, how scrappy they've been and been able to pull it together. But I've got to agree with Elliot. The pitching is of huge concern. And, I mean, between Blevins being overworked, and he's still effective, but he can't work every day. It's, It's, you know, unreasonable to expect that. So I was a little bit relieved today when the Mets acquired two pitchers. Uh, they acquired Blake Beaven. Uh, Not to be confused with Blevins. Correct. Beaven. Blake Beaven uh, was a free agent, and then Tommy Malone, they got him off waivers from the Brewers. Yeah, because they and, DFA'd him, and you might as well just take a flyer on yeah. a guy like that. Maybe he'll help you, and if he and doesn't, not much lost. The reason I'm more excited about that than I usually be. They both have major league experience. They both pitched at this level before. 
So it's very different than seeing a Montero, who, yes, I know has pitched at this level before, but is consistently He's always pitched badly at this level, so yes. let's go with some of these other so guys. I agree get, with that. you know, Beaven and Malone, and, and they can pick up some of the slack and maybe give Blevins a day or two off where he desperately needs it, then I'm all for it. Yeah. So as we very quickly look ahead, because I want to spend some time talking to our guest, Elliot Teichman of 213 Miles from Shea, uh, we look ahead. We have finally out of the division games against the Giants and on the road at Milwaukee. So uh, those are two winnable series because the, this Giants team is not a very good team and it doesn't have Baumgartner. That's kind of the key right there. Obviously, they still have good pitching and they can definitely... They also have the worst record in the National League. Yes, but they can definitely string a bunch of hits together. So, you know, you got you to play them tough. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago that the Giants uh, no-hit the Mets at City Field. So, you know, it, surprises always seem to happen. So uh, we will kind of see how those all play out. But, uh, you know... It's, not much to say in terms of the specifics, but Elliot, what I want to talk to you about is sort of in addition to doing 213 miles from Shea, you emailed me a little bit about some of the trips you've taken and you've seen some of the more interesting, you know, Mets minor league teams and just minor league teams in general. So share with our audience just a little bit about some of the things that you've seen, just some highlights, favorite places you've gone to. Like I remember in your email, you mentioned certain ballparks where minor league teams have a mascot who does something fun whenever they score a run or something like that. No. Sometimes I can't tell if it's like a freeze frame or it's He's intently just the, staring yeah, at I us. Yeah, I think that's actually like a frozen yeah, there, So oh, There he is. Sorry. It was just sort of a weird... Yeah, go ahead. Mm. You were there. Okay, now you're back. Okay. Sorry, I'm having some internet problems. Um, so last year, um, I went to two minor league ballparks that both had mascots who would run out on the field and just like run around after they scored a run. Uh, one was in Altoona, Pennsylvania, which have a ridiculous song that goes along with it. Ooh, and the that's other the one Altoona was Curve, Wilmer. right? Will you sing the song? Well, we asked two oh, questions what? back to back. The Altoona Curve, and do you know the words to the song? Yeah, give me one second. Um, <sighs> oh boy, and I have a horrible voice. That's so. all right. I'm ready. You know. Okay. Um, curve baseball. Everybody loves curve baseball. Oh. Double A minor league baseball. Everybody loves curve baseball, and it's like a tuna fish that really looks like a bumblebee. <laughs> and I don't think it's because of bumblebee tuna um, that runs around the outfield. During that. I love that it's a tuna fish that looks like bumblebee, and it's not you know sort of a, a sponsored event. It's not brand market. So I love stuff like that. I mean, I love minor league teams. You know, they always have to have kind of. There have to be a lot of gimmicks. There's a lot of things you get people to do between the innings because, you know, you want to get people to come out. There's little contests, things that they can win. You see some great some great things, you know, uh, out here in California. I believe they were a single-A affiliate – no, a double-A affiliate of – the Angels, but now they're, I believe, with the Dodgers. The Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, whose uh, whose stadium is called the Epicenter. So really, just it's like begging. Terrible. Yeah, they're like begging for an earthquake. But 
Uh, they have Tremors, their little mascot. So, yeah, there's always a lot of kind of interesting things. Uh, I went to a few uh, B-Mets, Binghamton Mets games uh, over the years. I saw some Mets players on their way up, Daniel Murphy being one of them. And it, it was kind of cool to see guys that you knew were destined to be on the team. And I actually uh, I saw Daniel Murphy there and then saw him about a week later at Shea Stadium on a random trip that I was taking. So you get to see great things. But the B-Mets aren't called the Binghamton Mets anymore. They're, they're the Rumble Ponies. Like, Score. Who wants, yeah, who wants to buy merchandise that says Rumble Ponies? I do. I have some great BMET stuff. I disagree with you, so do, do you wholeheartedly. What was your question, Elliot? Sorry. Um, do, do you know why they're called the Rumble Ponies? Is it because there's a racetrack nearby? So um, they had a online naming competition for the team. <sighs> and I don't know how the Binghamton Stud Muffins lost, but that wow. was one of the options. Did I think you, they really won. Did you submit the Stud Muffins into the running? Was that your idea? No. No, that was actually like somebody they had like this whole thing like up until uh, June last year where you can submit it and it was one of the final four teams. That's terrible. That made it in. <laughs> um, Rumble ponies because Binghamton and the two other cities that make the Tri City area are apparently where most of the merry-go-round parts in the world come from. Oh. That is the weirdest that's, fact. Such a, that's a great fact. I appreciate you sharing it, but it's a dumb thing to name your team after. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know, when you let people name teams, you end up with kind of some bad things. A friend of mine lives in New Orleans, which very briefly, oh, that was you. the Mets minor league team, the Zephyrs. And the Zephyrs, they let you change the names. And now they're the Baby Cakes. And he you know, he still calls them the Zephyrs. And they're a Marlins affiliate now. Uh, they've kind of sort of like the way that the, the Mets kind of played musical chairs with their AAA team for a few years, but have at least landed in Vegas for a while. That's one that I love. The 51s, because they embrace the Area 51, there's kind of a there's a mascot who's a lot like Jar Jar Binks from Star Wars. So, like, nerds are probably like, oh, that's not a cool mascot. But it's a fun <laughs> ballpark. It gets you off the strip. You know, it's very cheap to go to a game for the 51s. So I like that there. And they don't have a dumb name like Rumble Ponies or Baby Cakes. So uh, that's one that I like. Uh, what are some of the other ones that you visited in your travels, Elliot, that uh, you've had a lot of fun with? Um, so one that I love, if you are a fan of classic baseball stadiums, was Savannah. Oh, came the Columbia Fireflies. Uh, yeah, so they're okay, no longer so, minor league uh, team. We, we lost you a little bit for the second. You're talking about the Savannah Sand Nats was their name? Is that who who you're talking about? That's right. So now they're in Columbia, and that has a beautiful stadium. And it's one of the best minor league ballparks I've ever been to. But in Savannah, um, who has a historic stadium, they have a college team now. And they just went with it, and they're now the Savannah Bananas. Oh, wow. That's, um, that's, that's kind of brutal. Um, yeah, so the name is brutal, but they look like they have a ton of fun. Do and they the wear, ballpark is just so classic. Do they wear bright yellow uniforms? They do. They have a, they have a bright yellow jersey. I don't know if I, can, if I can stand for that. I mean, the old Padres, you know, mustard-colored uniforms are I bad like enough. I know you do. Well, by the way, the, those Padres colors—that was our high school. Those were our high school colors. Oh, were that's so funny! Ugly brown and ugly yellow. <laughs> yep. Those were much nicer words than we used to call them in high school. <laughs> yeah, I that, also then a... left that high school solely because of the, of colors. the colors. Yes, I don't think. And that also was because sort. I sat next to Elliot in Spanish class, and he was terrible. Uh, so that it was. was it, it, it was no bueno. Is that what you're saying? Yes, si, that's senor. right. Multi- oh my god. <laughs> 
So yeah, so now this is a simulcast in Espanol for anyone who needs to uh, you know switch over on, on the second audio feed. Uh, you know, one of the ballparks that I, a friend of mine used to work in the athletic department for Pepperdine University, which is in Malibu here in the Los Angeles area, and they have their ballpark is overlooking the ocean and. Opening day is always like around President's Day, so the middle of February. And it's, it, it, I would go and be a beautiful day, and we would always just to use from Connecticut. I'm you know from New York State. We would always take a picture there on opening day together, just so that we could post it on Facebook, and everyone would hate us back east. <laughs> so uh, you know, if if we had been Facebook friends, you would have felt the same way. But I just sometimes love when you get. That's the reason I'm mentioning it. Is those settings can be so great, you know, and when you luck into that. You know, I went and saw the Trenton Thunder, and I think that ballpark is in a cool spot, but there's so much signage, and it's so high, you can't see beyond the outfield wall. So I was like, I think there's, like, some water out there or something, but you don't know. You can't see. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of, of minor league ballparks. We actually have a lot here in California. Uh, the 66ers, which is Route 66, and uh, the... Oh, the Lake Elsinore Storm is a uh, minor league affiliate of the Padres. And their hat is sort of these, like, menacing eyes. And <laughs> that hat is, like, the best-selling hat in minor league baseball because people buy it just because it's a cool, mean-looking, you know, cartoon graphic. But having no knowledge of the team or anything like that. So, you know, you get some cool ones like that. But obviously, all throughout the Northeast, Elliot, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've been to some others that, or, and throughout the South, too, that some that we haven't addressed yet. Yeah, so one of my favorites that I went to on this trip was Asheville, the Asheville Tourists, uh, the Rockies affiliate. I'm sorry, the tourists? Is that yes? What? Well, wow, tourists like like you go to Europe and you're a tourist. Yeah, <laughs> so wow. Tourists. Okay, well, my my same yeah. friend who lives so in I, New Orleans I, I, I calls I tourists uh, torons like morons because <laughs> they're always in his way. But uh, tour the tourists, I guess. Sure, why not? I mean, if you have the Tennessee Volunteers, why not? You know. Yeah. So that aside, one, I love the mascot because their mascot is a moon um, because they used to be the moonshiners or something oh, like that. That I like the moonshiners. That's awesome. That's you know, I so, look, I understand when people get upset about, you know, being Indians and Redskins and things like that, that you should change the name. But moonshiners is that offensive too? come on. I love so, well, that. The moonshiners. The tourists actually a really long time ago, um, according to the person that was sitting next to me at the ballpark. Um, like it sounded like this was like multiple decades, if not more, that they've been this team. But yeah. beautiful stadium in the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's like literally nestled into the Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, the high school that was right by it, if you stood up at their top bleacher, you could look right down into the stadium. Um, it's surrounded by 12 uh, breweries. Oh, um, just, right. I just had by far the best beer I've ever had at a ballpark. It was a yeah, great time. I, I would hope so if there are 12 breweries nearby. We'll see. That's pretty great. So, uh, you know, one ballpark that I never went to but I saw was the Memphis Redbirds, a Cardinals affiliate. It's like in downtown Memphis. It was this like really nice ballpark. This was probably about 10 years ago that I was there. And, you know, I think that they're spending a lot more money on some of these now because some of these minor league ballparks are, are very impressive. And Elliot, in sort of our final moments here, I'm just wondering, do you have a favorite that you've been to? Maybe it's one of the ones you mentioned. And is there one that is on your bucket list? Like, oh, I really want to get to this specific minor league park at some point. Yeah, so for favorite so far, um, I'm probably going to go with the Columbia Fireflies. It was a brand new stadium. Um 
I just love like how they like weave the Firefly culture into everything, and I just had a really good time at that game. Um, on my bucket list, I'm going to finally see the Nashville Sounds this summer. Oh, very cool! So yeah. I am very excited about that. Yeah, no, Nashville is just a great city a in general, guitar. and that's one of those ones that I've heard of for a long time. And uh, yeah, no, I think that'll be great fun. So uh, Elliot Teichman, and you're at Elliot Teichman, I believe, but also at 213MFS and you're saying that you're not doing as much stuff at 213 miles from Shea. A lot of your your work is going towards mesmerized right now. Yep, but if you go to 213 miles from Shea, you will still see the game preview at, every day there. And also I try to post a different Mets picture every day. And then in the off season, I start doing all the prospects and other stuff. And uh, once the summer comes back, hopefully yeah, well, it's great. I, I really appreciate uh, getting the chance to chat with you. Uh, Melissa was very excited, and she's like, oh, we're going to have my friend Elliot on. And so I was really glad you are able to take the time. Fun talking about the Mets, but I, I could talk about some of these you know, small ballparks all day. So, again, that's Elliot Teichman at 213MFS. Thanks so much for your time, Elliot. We really appreciate you joining us today. And there's a lot of freezing with the connection, but uh, you know, we we said goodbye is yeah. basically what happened. Sure. Yeah. So thanks so much, Elliot. And uh, that's all right. Look, this technology thing—it's still still you know Very in confusing. the works, basically. So yeah, as I said, you know, we have these games against the Giants and the Brewers to look at next week. Uh, we are not going to be on the air Sunday at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern next next week. I am not 100% sure when we're going to be on. We're going to be on at some point. But what you can, of course, do is please follow at ABTVMets on Twitter. And you'll be able to find where we are. Uh, and you'll be able to just get a link to the episode. That's that's all it takes. If you follow Melissa at Melissa Wine or you follow me at Christian DMZ, we'll also tweet out the link once there is a new show. And that's what you can always do as the show goes forward and you're looking for, hey, where is it? That is all you'll need to know. We just have some scheduling issues because Sunday is Mother's Day and I already ducked out of Easter early, so I don't uh, want to do that uh, to my wife on her big day, Mother's Day, and I want to spend it with the family. But... That does not mean that I'm not dedicated to the Mets. And it we does. will. It does ha- mean that. Well, I got to put my wife before the Mets, even though I knew I the Mets long before I knew my wife. I knew the Mets before my wife was born. So there you go. But that's, well, sort of. That's 1983. They, you know, that was uh, bring your kids to see our kids. So it wasn't really a great time. But anyway, uh, so please stay in touch with us and keep an eye out for the show. And if you're just listening on iTunes, very easy. You can just subscribe to the show and it'll just magically show up and, and you'll have it. But for our YouTube listeners, whom we always appreciate, please make sure that you follow us on Twitter. And of course, if you follow AfterBuzz TV at AfterBuzz TV, you'll also see the link there. Check back, look for the YouTube page. Uh, we always appreciate everybody's feedback. Is there anybody in the chat today? Or was that you just saying hi to people that I see there? No, uh, that was just me. That was just you. I said chat with us and then nobody and then, did. And nobody did. Well, that's because they were so uh, interested in what we had to say. They were all enjoying Elliot. And again, he's from 213milesfromshay.com. But that's all we have for this installment of Mets Rap 360. What happened? What Player you... of the week. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you remembered. I have a few things that I <sighs> will quickly say real, yeah. real fast. Okay, Please do. So my dad called me about this really fun fact that was actually on the Orioles broadcast today. The Mets have the the Mets are the oldest team in the National League by the average age of the position player. Sounds right. Thirty point one. The the oldest in all of Major League Baseball, the A's are thirty point 
32 or 30. Hmm. That's an know. interesting stat. Blue Jays I, I know are 31.1. Yeah. Um, and then Mets had eight players hit by pitch this week. Cabrera had two, both in the knee. And surprisingly, that's not what knocked him out. It is um, interesting that that's not what knocked him out. And then TJ Rivera was actually hit three times, which I thought was weird because why? <laughs> yeah. Well, well I, I think unintentionally is what happened there. Yes, that's how it works. So I love the fun facts, and I'm sorry that I almost stole the fun facts from you. We only have a minute, so play, play, the, play of the week, you first. Repeat on TJ Rivera, hands down, not, not um, a question. I'm going Robert Gesellman. Two wins that's because right. I want to see improvement from him, and I like what I've seen. So anyway, as I was saying, thanks to everybody. Make sure you follow us at ABTV Mets, and we will see you next time on Mets Rap 360. Let's go, Mets! From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.